Yes. On this week's episode of Broken Headphones, we bring to you an interview with Shad. Juno award-winning, Polaris Prize shortlisted, journalist, broadcaster, all those things. Currently hosting Hip Hop Evolution on Netflix. A friend of the show in Studio 393. This is an interview with conducted by with Sandy Balcaran and Sapphire McLeod. Studio 393 is located in the Skywalk of Portage Place. You're catching us right now in the midst of uh, COVID-19 and we are closed for the next indefinite amount of time. Please keep track of us at studio underscore 393. Again, that's at studio underscore 393 and other social media to see what we are up to with graffiti art programming our parent organization. Thanks for listening. Now, an interview with Shad, Osani, and Sapphire McLeod. Take us away on 101.5 UMFM. You're listening to Broken Headphones on 101.5 UMFM with your hosts, Osani Balkran and uh, Sapphire McLeod. Today we got a uh, really awesome rapper, Shad. How's it going? What up, what up? So, um, yeah, I'm super excited to talk to you today. Uh, my mom's a pretty big fan of you, which is pretty cool. So she's... Like, out. <laughs> yeah, she's... Um, but yeah, we, uh, we've just been, like, watching movies here at, at the house uh, to pass through this uh, COVID time. I was just wondering uh, what you're doing throughout this pandemic, how you're uh dealing with this well i'll start with the movies thing so like everybody else i've been on my tiger king (laughs) (laughs) just knocked that out um and i just saw that money heist just came up on um a new season i think on netflix so uh, i'll be back on that soon so that's good and uh, i'm i'm like all basketball fans i'm waiting for this michael jordan 10-part espn documentary to come out so i have all my viewing already mapped out for the next uh, few weeks um i'm working on a new album just trying to get some some editing done some final touches done on that and other than that just just grateful for every healthy day and trying to stay safe, do my part to stay out of people's way. And, and if there's any other way I can help too. just trying to keep an eye open for that because, uh, yeah, from frontline workers to vulnerable people, there's like a lot of rolling up the sleeves that needs to be done either now or later. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Everyone, everyone's doing their part. Um, I'm glad you have like your whole, um, viewing list ready to go oh yeah um, some people are like you know they're hoarding the toilet paper i'm more concerned with like my entertainment like no actually though it's important so like what yeah. i've been watching i was checking out um hip-hop evolution on netflix dope part of the viewing and so i was wondering like um you spend your time in the industry doing things all the way from like events from like fasted's barbecue to hip-hop evolution so mm-hmm. my question is like how would you encourage artists, young artists, coming up artists, to create multiple streams of income? Yes. What I would suggest is, um, so people, people ask young people all the time, what are you going to be when you grow up? 
And what's implied by that is that you're only going to be one thing, right? Mm -hmm. What are you going to be when you grow up? It's like the implication is that it's one thing. You're going to answer this plumber or doctor, you know, but I think the reality is that, and this is something that's helped me in my career is it doesn't have to be one thing. If there's, if there's many things you're interested in, do many things. I mean, as long as you have the time and the energy to do them well, why not? Who's stopping you? Um, especially now where we live in a world, I mean, look at everybody working from home during this crisis, right? There's, mm-hmm. there's all this technology and stuff available to us that allows us to do more than just one thing. So um, I would say don't, don't get hemmed in by this idea that you, you can only do one thing. Um, and don't get hemmed in by any other ideas about what you can do, what combination of two things you can do. You could be a singer and an archaeologist. You could be a rapper and a host. You know, like, like there's any number of things. So don't get hemmed in by other people's expectations. Don't get hemmed in, first of all, by this idea that you can only do one thing. And secondly, mm-hmm. don't get hemmed in by other people's expectations. So of you and you know what what you can do just continue growing continue learning and in my experience if there's something you you care about doing you'll like if there's three things you care about doing you'll find the energy to do them all Mm, that's true i feel like that those are big words coming from you because i feel like you wear like multiple like multiple hats within the industry so like what are some of those hats that you wear so um my career began making music and I still make music and perform. And that's really the center of my career. But in the last, I would say, you know, five, six years, um, I've had the opportunity to do other things. So I hosted a show on CBC radio called Q for about a year, year and a half. I've hosted now four seasons of hip hop evolution on Netflix. Um, So there came a point in my music career where I just felt this openness to do other, like try other things, do other things if the opportunities presented themselves. And so that's just led to some cool stuff and, and experiences I I would have never anticipated having. So um, just listen to that voice inside of you, you know, like don't get hemmed in again by, by things, but that that's been my career so far. Hey, cool, cool. And then, um, nice. So, when, when did you uh, when did you start producing? So, I started making music, um, recording music when I was around twenty. So, I was um, studying business actually at Laurier, which is in Waterloo. So, I was on a path to do, you know, I don't know, work in marketing or accounting or something like that, and got the opportunity to record. So um, this is now going back like 15, 20 years or something like that. And again, back to what I was saying about technology, technology started to change. So when I was a teenager, for example, if you wanted to record music, it was virtually impossible. There were so few studios. It was impossible to get the equipment you needed to record. But then by the time I was like 2021, that it started to change. People had home studios and that whole thing was beginning. So that's how I got the opportunity to start making music was just because basically the technology became um, more available. Mm. 
Um, so, so yeah, so on your record, I was looking at uh, the credits for the record that you released and uh, said that there was uh, Crispin, Crispin Day was was doing some of the production on that. How yes. was that experience working with another producer? Yeah, great. So he um, he engineered, so he's been engineering this album. He engineered the, the latest one that you're referencing and he engineered the one before that. So I've worked with him now on, on three albums. Um, and he's just an excellent engineer. You know, I'm, I'm still one of these guys that even in hip hop, most people in hip hop have their own setup and they record their own vocals, things like that. I might demo stuff on my own, but I still like to work with people who really know what they're doing. And he's a great engineer. He came up uh, under Gavin Brown, who is um, a renowned producer in Canada. And so he really learns how to, how to engineer, how to produce so he's that's that's my guy that's my go-to you got a question so far all right so um my question is like so like you're a new father <laughs> and so I'm wondering, like how does that tie into everything yeah um and then like even just like looking at like the reflection of your come up. I was really thinking about it. So mm-hmm. I was like, you're a Canadian artist. You are a black Canadian artist. You're a black Canadian hip hop artist. What? Like, how does that <laughs> even like, happen? And like, what yeah. would you tell like your younger self? And then this keeping in mind, like mm-hmm. gems and lessons that you want to like pass on to your own child. Yeah, that's great. So, Okay, first of all, I want to edit one of my earlier answers because you you brought up having a a child. And so I said, you know, one thing that I would recommend to a younger artist is, yeah, don't get hemmed in by this idea that you can only do one thing. At the same time, we're all human beings and you only have a certain amount of bandwidth. So like, (laughs) maybe don't do four things, you know, maybe two things or three max. So I bring that up because, yeah, having a daughter now, I think about my career a little bit differently and think, okay, um, I'm not going to take every opportunity to go on the road and perform. I kind of want to make sure that it counts when I do and, and things like that. Um, But yeah, to your, to your question about how I, how I started. Yeah. I mean, First of all, I'll say I started with low expectations, and I think that's actually a good thing, right? Um, I started with low expectations for my career because of the realities you just mentioned. You know, as starting in 05, especially, this is pre-Drake. Oh, Jesus. (laughs) You know, a a Black Canadian rapper pre-Drake you're going to want to be realistic in your expectations. You know, it's only going to help you <laughs> cope with this industry. This industry is difficult, you know, and there's no guarantees. There's no clear path to it, to, you know, achieving some success. So I think that always helped. I think my passion was always for creating um, above fame or fortune. So that also propelled me. That kept me going. Um, Yeah, I think the way I always thought about it that always helped me was, and this has to do with expectations, I didn't even think about what I was doing in terms of making music like a career. I thought about it like, what do I want to make right now? Mm. And then I committed to making that thing. Mm. And then when I was done, it's like, okay, what do I want to do now? Well, I want to tour this album. Okay, 
Well, what's involved with that? Well, sending the music out to as many people as possible and making the most of every opportunity I get to perform and enjoying every opportunity I get to perform because nothing is promised after that, you know, Mm -hmm. and also recognizing that all these things, like there's no, uh, what's the word? There's no like silver bullet. There's no one thing that's going to get you success. It's, it's actually always everything in some, you know, that little Mm -hmm. show that you played for five people. Well, two of them became very serious fans, you know, and they told these people or that. uh, And then that next show you played for 10 people. Well, one of them ended up booking you for another thing that paid your rent for three months. You know, like Mm -hmm. it's, it's always, I have a million stories like that from my career of just, um, every little thing kind of adding up and counting in some way. So, um, but yeah, that's, I think that's the mentality that has really helped me. It's like, just thinking, what do I want to do right now? Don't worry about like, if I'll become an artist or if I'll become successful. It's like, what's the thing I want to make right now? Is it an album? Is it a podcast? Is it, you know, and, and then committing whatever that might take a year, two years committing to doing that. And Next thing you know, you know, you're somewhere, you know, you've, you've made four or five albums or you've made a hundred episodes of a podcast. You know what I mean? Like that's how it works. Yeah. Yeah. I really like that. I really like that. Um, what you said about, it's like the collection, like the sum of all these things Yeah. and like nothing is too big. Nothing's too small. That's right. Kind of just like a uh, reminder to stay humble and like, in tune with yourself, like following your own intuitive passions. I forget who I was listening to. I was watching an interview and they said that the fame, and what you said reminded me of it. They said that the fame was a bonus. Mm -hmm. Like at the end of the day, like I'm here to create. And like by focusing on creating and whoever rocks with it, rocks with it is how I got to where I am. Yeah. Yeah. No. And, and I liked what you said too about, um, no opportunity is too big or too small. You know, I was talking about the too small side, but the too big side is true too. You know, you might, let's say you get that opportunity to open for this big artist and you bomb. It's also not the end of the world. Listening to Broken Headphones podcast on 101.5 UMFM with your hosts, Sandy Balkran and Sapphire McLeod. Uh, We got Shad here today. Ooh. All right. Yeah. Okay, so before the break, um, we we're talking about um things that you would that you wish you knew on the come up, um and um the way you've kind of shifted things, um, with being a new father to a beautiful baby girl. Yeah. Um so. Yeah, yeah. So I think the last point I was making was yeah, um, I was saying there's no opportunity too small. Everything is like the sum of, it's the sum of all the little things that you do. Um, And you made a a good point about also nothing is too big. Like if you get some great opportunity and you fumble it, that's fine. You just keep going and you keep going because you love making what you're making. You're committed Mm -hmm. to making what you're making. And I think that's the, that's the way forward. That that's what helps people put one foot in front of the other. I yeah. Okay, and then before I pass it over to Asani, I have like 
my question stems in um, kind of like creating opportunities for folks. So like when you're being driven by your passions and you're doing things that you love and you're putting time into your craft and you're putting yourself out there, like now that you're being driven by your passions, how do you find ways to monetize that influence? Because mm-hmm. art is so important, but like at the same time, people got to eat. People have yes. to food. So it's like, how do you monetize that influence? And like, how do you even get into rooms with executives from like Netflix or different producers mm-hmm. and this, that? Yeah. So what I would say is uh, a couple things. One is to evaluate. um, Well, actually, no. The first thing I would say is this. It helps to just pick a thing that you want to be paid for and stick to your guns on that. So, for example, um, if somebody asks me to um, perform, mm-hmm. it's like that's that's just what I do for a living. So you have to pay me for that, and you have to go through certain channels. I I do that like professionally. If somebody wants me to go speak to a class, I'm happy to do that for free. If someone wants me to, you know, there's a number of things. Yeah, I'll volunteer. I'll do that. Or I'll do that on a break-even basis. But I, I picked at a certain point that performing mm. is what I do for a job. And, mm. you, know, you just got to pay me to do that. And, and I think a lot of um, the economics of it, to a great extent, comes down to that, is just sort of sticking to your guns and, and not, in a, not in a cutthroat way but in a way of just saying no this is just what i've chosen to do for a living everyone has Mm -hmm. to pick a thing to do for a living i've chosen this and so you have to pay me and um or i'll do something else you know or i'll do something else so i think that that kind of helps is just kind of in a dignified way not a cutthroat way but in a self-respecting way Mm -hmm. you just say this is what i i do for a living i host events or i mix records or I, you know, and, uh, and, and try to stick to that as, as much as you can. Um, the other thing I'd say is like, there's a progression in terms of how much you get paid. Like, like you Mm -hmm. can't expect to get a certain amount out the gates. (laughs) Mm -hmm. So I think it's important to, and don't let that, um, don't let that, lead you to turning away opportunities. So the example I'll give is when I was starting out and uh, let's say I got the opportunity. There were times I got opportunities to open shows for and play for an audience that I wanted to play for. And I got paid a little bit of money, maybe less than I was worth. But what did I get out of it? I got out of it everything that I wanted to get out of it, which is playing Mm. for a certain amount of people playing for the right audience, you know, um, making enough money to break even. So I've seen people turn down opportunities like that because they feel like they're not getting, I don't know what, but I Mm. think you got to look at it. Like, am I getting what I want out of it? Forget what everybody else is getting, Mm. I guess is what I'm trying to say. Don't worry Mm. about if the promoter got half the money, like, you know, or the, whoever got whatever they got, if you got what you wanted out of that opportunity and it's going to allow you to take the next step, you know? So I think it's like a, 
I guess I'm describing two different things and you have to balance them. You know, on one hand, you have to respect yourself and pick a thing that you do and feel confident enough that you can charge for it. And then on the other hand, um, you have to be realistic about where you're at and what opportunities are going to help you take the next step, you know, uh, Mm -hmm. in your career, even if they're not the most lucrative, but there's also certain realities. Like, I don't know. I, I, like I was saying earlier, I went to school for business. So it's always been nice to have just this, thing in the back of my mind like I can do something else mm. and it helps it helps me keep it a little bit more it helps me evaluate my opportunities in a way where I'm not going okay I need to t- just take this thing because it's gonna um, put food on the table it's like no I want to make decisions firstly because it's creatively satisfying secondly I can think about that practical stuff because there's other things I can do, you know, worse comes to worse, but that's just me. Some other people are like, I need to know there's no plan B. That's how mm. I work best. Mm-hmm. It's not how I work best. I don't like mm-hmm. to work like that. <laughs> yeah. no, I like okay. to know that I have options that helps me, you know, do my thing from a better place. So I think it, that takes time and it takes learning, you know, you got to learn what motivates you and what makes you able to work, you know, um, the best, but you know, that's, that's, I guess that's just kind of my story and how I think about the money side of things is a lot of times it comes down very simply to like picking a thing that you do for money. I, it's good advice. Yo. That's good advice. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah. So you, you make hip hop, you perform, you, you're involved in broadcasting. I was just wondering what, gave you the idea to start a hip-hop evolution mm-hmm. like yeah, as a hip-hop artist or just like yeah we'll gave you that idea in general so the show wasn't my idea the show's actually um was started by a production company called banger films they made a documentary series about metal um called metal evolution and then they wanted to make a hip-hop series and they're based right here in toronto um and so i know the director i know the writer and they approached me and asked if I would host. And um, again, it kind of relates to what I was saying earlier about not hemming yourself in to, to any one thing or, or to anybody else's idea of what you should do. Basically, they presented me with the opportunity, and I'd never done anything remotely like that before. But I said, you know what, this sounds really interesting, and, and I'm also interested in having new experiences and stuff and so yeah i'll do it i don't know what i'm doing but i'll do it <laughs> um and so that's kind of how that kicked off for me and it's been an incredible experience amazing so uh how did you get to meet with these uh american like like uh hip-hop artists like, how did you get to meet with the grandfathers of the game yeah so there's a production team uh for the show and some of the producers, part of their job is what they call chasing, um, which is tracking down, <laughs> tracking down guests. Oh, that's and cool. so, so, you know, it's, it's sending emails, it's finding out who to send the email to or getting a phone number and, uh, and trying to track people down, trying to schedule something. So 
it's a it's a complicated it's a complicated game. The producers that are really good at it, they are um, you know, they're the ones because it's it's tricky. It's sometimes it's as simple as contacting a manager or or contacting a person directly. Um, but it takes persistence and sometimes it takes like being calculated as well. Like there are people with hip hop evolution where if we really wanted them, the producers or our director knew, okay, actually we got to interview this person who's their OG. Mm. And then we can send the email to them saying, Hey, we'd like to interview you. We talked to this person, even mm-hmm, though that mm-hmm. person might not even end up in the documentary, but you know, it's all the, complicated mapping of getting to the person that you want to get to right so yeah that's a good question because it's it's not as simple as it sounds you know sometimes it's it, it all it takes is an email but a lot of times it's a lot <laughs> a lot harder than that well what was their uh was there a what was their reaction to you being canadian could they tell at first sight yeah you know what's interesting is um I think it really helped our whole, because the whole team's Canadian, right? Yeah, yeah. So I think it actually, I think it really helped us because they felt like we were outside of any politics or. Mm. So let's say we went to Atlanta or something like that, and you know we're there, and we have the next Netflix stamp, which helps, and we say we want to, you know, do an episode here in Atlanta. We want to talk to the pioneers, and we want to talk to you. Um, they know that we're, we don't have an agenda. Mm-hmm. And that actually really helped us, you know, because you know how it is. I mean, you guys live in a city, there's a politics, there's, yeah. there's little beefs between this person or that person. And, and if, if you from Winnipeg wanted to tell the story of what's going on in Winnipeg, people would be like, but are you on that person's side? Or are you on that Mm. person's side? Or are you gonna, you know, whereas with us, they could kind of look at us and go, they don't even know that (laughs) stuff. You know, they don't know the little beefs that are going on. Like they don't care. They're here to just try to tell the story. So it's funny, like, it, you'd think it would maybe be a hindrance, but it actually really helped people open up to us because they just knew we didn't really have an agenda. Mm, yeah. So I just got one more question before I pass it on to Sapphire here. Mm-hmm. I was just wondering, like, how, how do you, who ends up piecing it together? Do you get a say in that at all? Or? So I, I consult on, on the show, but ultimately it comes down to the director, the, well, the writers, first of all, that... So a do- a documentary series like ours is is written almost like a scripted series. That's how much like planning goes into it. So they the writers have done so much research about our guests that they know, okay, if Shad asks this question, he'll probably say something like this and that will lead to cut to this part, you know, or, or he'll ask her this and and she might tell this story and then we'll illustrate that story you know and so that's it's written with that much of a plan now it never stays there but that's where it starts as far as the editing plan goes um and then the the editor themselves actually plays an important role because that affects the tone of the show right like i think one thing our editors did a great job of is keeping a lot of the humor and the personality and the fun in the show Mm -hmm. So, you know, they'll keep a lot of the laughs or they might edit 
my reaction to their story into it so that, you know, so that you can see how fun the interaction is or how incredible the story is. So a lot of that also shapes how people receive the, the episode as well. So I think everybody from the director to the writers to the editors really shaped that. I, I consult on the show, so I'll give my two cents, but I, that's not really my role. My role is, is to talk to the guests, to try and bring them back to whatever moment um, we are hoping that they'll bring us to. And to because for some of them, it's um, 20 years ago or 30 years ago. And so it's not always easy for them to go back there mm-hmm. and really feel the things that they've felt at that time. And, and so my, my job, I think, is really just to help them get there. Man, that's so wicked. Um, this goes out, uh, this question is a, a little shout out to our, our other member of the Broken Headphones team, Kenneth Costello. Um, he had a question um, regarding um, how it felt to even like meet these people, but and I want to expand on it. Uh, when you're meeting like all these icons, um, or when you're like in very like emotional moments, like getting your Juno award, like mm-hmm. how do you even like deal with or like encapsulate the emotion? Like speak on the emotion and then tell yeah. me how you will like navigate that. Mm-hmm. Um, well, I'll talk about um, I'll talk firstly about just yeah meeting some of these folks, you know, with Hip Hop Evolution and how I tried to prepare for that. Um, the biggest thing I'd say was I tried to never hide that I was a fan or that I was excited or that I thought their story was incredible because it's just an honest reaction, right? And um, and so that actually, I think, helped. I think if I was trying to control all of that, first of all, it would have been hard. And secondly, it would have been um, kind of false, right? Like. Mm-hmm. I am amazed and and at, like to the point I was making earlier about what I felt like my job was to help the person get back there emotionally, I feel like that excitement helped them as well because none of us are in, are none of us are like amazed by our own life anymore. It kind of takes somebody else to say, "Yo, that's crazy." And then you're like, "Oh yeah, that is kind of crazy." And so oh. And so that that was kind of how I tried to approach that was basically I, I I tried not to hide any of my you know genuine emotion and stuff. Um, and then yeah, like so, certain moments of of success for me, winning a Juno or um, or you know some of the stages I've been able to be on, kind of the same thing. I try not to hide my uh, joy. I think um, one of the lessons I learned early on from a guy that. Uh, ran a label that I was on was you really have to celebrate it's important to celebrate um, in the kind of in creative work because well first of all because uh, nothing's again nothing's promised you know when you're experiencing some success you might feel like it will happen forever but it won't happen forever so you've you got to savor those moments and you know it's going to be nice if you can say yeah that was a great time and we celebrated that we marked that um and the other thing is it really helps you get through all of the difficult times because you know it's like a law of nature almost is ups and downs you know and if you're in a field a creative field 
like we all are, that means mm -hmm. there's going to be big ups and, and there's going to be big down. downs. So yeah. make sure that you celebrate and savor those big ups. Don't, don't take them for granted. You know, you've got to really um, mark them, cherish them, hopefully remember them because it's wow. going to help you the next, possibly the next day when you experience some big downs. <laughs> It'd be like that sometimes. I'm going to throw it to Asani for the last question because we got like three minutes left in this thing. Cool. Oh, thanks. So, yeah, I was just, uh, I was wondering what's, uh, what's next with the album? Like, uh, when, you, when you plan on releasing it? Yeah, well, uh, all plans are delayed, of, of yeah, course. Right. Um, but I'm, I'm thinking, I'm in no rush, so I'm thinking um, early next year would be great. Nice. Um, you gonna come to Winnipeg to tour it? Got it. I gotta come, come to Winnipeg, man. Come on now. <laughs> I love coming to Winnipeg. So yeah, I mean, I've been touring through Winnipeg for a long time now, and it's it's just it's something I genuinely look forward to. So yeah, I'll be there. Amazing. Thank Thanks for being with us. Uh, yeah, this is a Broken Headphones podcast. Listening to a one hundred one point UMF, one hundred one point five UMFM. Thanks.